Good morning. And our guest this morning is Jim Gibson, co-founder of Finair Labs, which funds early stage tech ventures. He's also the chief catalyst at State School for Ad- Advanced Digital Technology. He spent the last three decades anticipating, adapting, and advancing technology trends and challenges. So, of course, we want to find out what that means for the future of Calgary on the tech front. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Tara. How are you? Great. Thank you. How about you? I'm well, very well, very well. Good morning, Jim. It's uh, David. And, you know, I want to start with um, with something I saw on the website of uh, Thin Air, and that is the transformation, Calgary's transformation. Um, And I think it's a blog you wrote about two years ago. Um, And where, where do we start? Or did we start already? Where, if we did, where are we? In the in the transformation of Calgary, I think I think you know, to to some extent Calgary's always been transforming. But I, I think that the the genesis of the current shift to diversification and technology really began probably five or six years ago, as we came through 2014, 2015. And and the you know the tech sector has always struggled under the the shadow of of the energy sector, just because the energy sector was doing so well, and and so it, it always struggled a bit to find its legs, find its center of gravity, and find kind of the momentum. So, I think I think the transition began um, probably 2016 or so as 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 things started to really become clear that things had to change and um, it's been a it's been a very interesting ride for the last five years i can assure you so tell us about thin air labs and how you're part of that transformation here so um thin air really was was born out of a movement that you may have heard of called the rainforest movement it was a group that was started by a number of people myself brad zumwalt the a100 and, and a group of people and I ended up meeting um, my colleague uh, Greg Hart, who um, really is a transformational thinker about, you know, what is the planet doing, and, and what do we need to to do to build the the, the ventures and and the mindset to to shift. So we got along like a house on fire, and and at the same time, James Lockery had returned back from Toronto, where he had built his extraordinarily successful company called Wave. Um, and and the three of us just kind of saw the world and saw the change happening in Calgary, and, and we started to hang out together. And long story short, thin air really came out of this idea that that there was a bunch of models of of, of our economy that were kind of broken. The first one we all believed was that the venture model was kind of broken. That the idea of how we how you know seven or eight out of every startup has to fail. Um, in order for one to be successful. And we just thought that that was a highly extractive and kind of broken way to think about the world. And we thought we could do a better, a better job at that, given, you know, we're, we're in the middle parts, later parts of our careers, and we, we knew better. And so that was mm-hmm. kind of the genesis of it. Uh, Calgary Economic Development, which is one of our sponsors, their slogan is Calgary New Economy or uh, Calgary Next, the new economy. Our show is called Calgary Next. And again, going to your website, building what's next. So what do you see as building next in, in Calgary? So I think, I think when people ask me that question, I, 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 I kind of remind and, and I reflect on the fact that 
Alberta and Calgary, but Alberta generally has probably one of the most advanced industrial economies in, in, in Canada, if not the world. It's a, it's a complex economy. It's not just based on oil and gas. It's based on a broad concept of energy, agriculture, food, water, um, logistics, transport, all of those things that make up a modern economy. And, and we reflect that, that what's next is, is the world needs more of what Calgary can do and should be doing as we advance those industries. So, for example, um, as we look at energy, you know, we have the science, we have the engineering talent, we have the manufacturing talent, we have the logistics talent to build a trillion-dollar energy, oil and gas economy. But but there's there's nothing stopping us from, you know, going up a level and saying, well, it's not just just hydrocarbons; it's actually all of energy, and that's the planet needs it. And if you look at agriculture, same thing. That our crop and food sciences are, are world class. And so, what we're what we're saying to to our, you know the folks around us is that. The, the the base engine of, of the economy in Calgary is, is extraordinary. It, 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 it has all of the pieces that the world needs, but we just have to think about them a little differently. We have to think of them in non-extractive ways. We have to think of the idea that we don't want to leave people behind. And so when we built thin air, we really put those principles of, of, of regeneration and, and, and equality and thinking about how we do uh, we do that for everybody, and so that was the that was the essence of what what started. And so, what's next is is really taking the strengths of what we have and and then taking them to the next level by creating ventures that support that. So that's that's kind of our philosophy. I had mentioned earlier that you're the chief catalyst. I love that title at States. Yeah, it's great. Did you come up with that? No, it was it was one of those. I get an email from a, a recruiting firm that was had looking to fill the role, and you can't not open an email that says Chief Catalyst, uh, you know, Dean School of Advanced Digital. And you just can't not. I wasn't yeah, looking absolutely. for a role. I was I was very happy, and and still am very happy at thin air. But uh, yeah, the, the the term is awesome. Well, tell me about what you're seeing there at SATE with the School for Advanced Digital Technology. That must be a really exciting place to be with all the students. It, it is, and, and it started from you know a, a simple vision of, of of David Bissett. I'm not sure if you know the Genesis story, but David Bissett, who had made made his wealth in, in investments in the investment capital business across Canada, um, basically had saw the need for for uh, an upskilling and reskilling of talent, and saw the big gap, and said, um, "I believe that a school." Um, the universities are doing their thing and they're doing fine, but a school like SAFE, which is actually closer to the ground, it's actually closer to the where industry is, is, is making, uh, making its moves, it needs an investment and it needs something that is able to invest in advanced digital technologies and bring programming and skills and training to bear. And so um, he stood the school up. Um, we, we launched just uh, September of last year. It's been a bit of a challenge, as you can imagine, standing up a brand new school with uh, with uh, with the pandemic and not really being yeah. able to be on campus. So that's a trick. That's mm-hmm. a trick shot that nobody taught me in my in my world. But you'd need some, some really digital technology skills for yeah. that. <laughs> you know, I can tell you that digital isn't that complicated. At, at some point, it's actually just getting humans to talk to each other over distance and over time. So, yeah, no, mm. it, it's been really interesting. But the school's mission is is really to empower not, not just not just 
you know, the skills of, you know, computer or software or programming, um, but actually kick it up a notch and say, what does it mean as a city, as a, as a, as a, as a place like Canada? What does it mean to be a digital citizen? What are the, what are the, what are the, the competencies that we need to think about as we prepare for what's coming next? And so it's not just, it, it, you know, we've really taken a hard look at what, is, what does the future advanced digital technology require of us as human beings? Not just, you know, a bunch of shiny, sharp sticks to, to shoot, but actually some, some, some lifelong learning skills that we can give to our, to our stu- students who can then thrive in, in any change. Because that's our big worry, right, is that we train people for a certain skill, but in two or three years, that skill itself gets automated out. And so that's not what we want to do. We want to create the, really the capacity to learn forever and, and for the rest of their lives. And so that, that starts with what does it mean to be part of this new digital society? And so we've been investing in, in that side, as well as the programming that gets people ready for the next job. Jim, uh, you know, Calgary universities and schools, uh, secondary schools, were very known for uh, bringing a lot of uh, oil and gas uh, professions, engineers and others. Do you see a shift now in our, our academia, the local academia in Calgary, towards more of the high tech and, and, and other industries than oil and gas? Yeah, very much. It's, it's, I really, really want to emphasize that, that it's an and versus an or. It's a yes and. And, and so... You know, the oil and gas and the energy sector still requires the engineering, the complex engineering talent that the bachelor's and master's degrees and, and so forth that come out of the universities are, are, are known for. What, what, what we see is kind of this continuum. We're on the edge of the change. The very kind of tip of the spear of, of that is, is, is schools like SAID, where we can, we're, we can be a little bit more nimble. We're creating you know, job-changing skills versus, you know, a brand-new degree, per se. And so that's what SAIT's been known for for 100 years, is being kind of on that edge. And so I see my mandate at SADT and then broadly at SAIT is to do those experimentations, partner with industry, partner with, you know, some of the cool vendors around the world, like like Google and Apple and Microsoft and Unity and all the and emphasis and the folks coming in from, from India and the World Bank's announcement today. We, are, we want to see our school as being able to be nimble and, and being able to create that programming that can happen very quickly. So I think it's an and versus versus kind of an or. We're just going to take a quick break, Jim. Stay with us. Jim Gibson is with Thin Air Labs. We're back with Jim Gibson from Thin Air Labs. And I had alluded to this a little earlier before the break, but Jim, we're wondering about leaders and what leaders need to be thinking in terms of how their employees communicate with each other at this point. You know, how do you balance the in-person with the digital communications? That's a, that's a really good question that, that has actually been amplified, um, spotlighted, whatever the word is, in this last 16 months with, with COVID. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, we've learned, we've learned that time and space, so time and, you know, different time, different different space or same time, different place, or all of those kinds of things are now possible. So the thing that, that, that we encourage leaders to think about is, is to recognize that the horizons and the breadth of what's possible is, is now at their fingertips. So this idea of returning back to something is, I think, a fallacy. I think the idea that, that there is the old expression, the new normal, which says there is a whole range of choices of communication styles. 
and the ability to be anywhere, anytime, and be able to have effective, efficient work processes as we go. And so, the, the, you know, the message to leaders is don't throw that away. We That was a hard one. And, and I, I used to say, you know, we've had 15 years of change in 15 months in terms of the mm. mindsets around what's possible. And I think that, that we throw away that that at our peril. And so we're looking at examples where where the flexible hybrid work style is is actually creating enormous gains in productivity, not just because we can work where we are, but it, but it gives people who have complex family lives, like young children or things where the commute is really a challenge. And you can say, well, no, let's create an environment where that happens. And so my, my guess, if I had to predict, is that, that there will be a, a labor force mobility based on the sophistication and maturity of the way people think about, about communications. And leaders have to pay attention to that, especially those who, who employ you know, folks under 30. Uh, it's just it's going to be that way. You know, in the past, history teaches us that every time oil and gas bounce back financially to higher prices, uh, we got complacent here in Calgary and, uh, you know, we forgot about diversification and forgot about yeah. everything. Do you think, how do we keep that this momentum that we're in right now of trying to diversify to so many other different uh, different industries? How do we keep it now that oil is coming back? I love that question. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's, it, I get asked it a lot. And, you know, I respond simply that it's, again, with that, that con- concept of the and. In the, previous, in the previous, you know, boom and bust in the, in, the, in the bust cycles, we really effectively didn't have a global set of alternatives that was coming in. And I, and I work with, with the energy and oil and gas folks all the time, and, and they're amazing people, and they've built built an incredible industry and they're right to say that the world as we exist today doesn't run on alternative energies exclusively but in for the first time in history we actually have the the technology of alternative energies coming to a point where it starts to become affordable on the edges and as as things move in from the edge they get more and more commonplace and more it's 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 inevitable so this is the first time where, where that alternative uh, is here and the the most enlightened, interesting, and globally thoughtful uh, oil and gas companies are are redefining themselves as energy companies, and they're understanding that they can do both. And I think that's therein lies the answer. And I always say to people, and is always more complicated than or. Or is easy, this or that. I'm a big believer that and is the way to go, but it's also trickier, right? You've got to keep a bunch of conflicting thoughts in your head at the same time. And I think the best leaders are able to do that. Mm-hmm. We're very much in an or situation at this point. In a, so in a so lot of levels. you think we already pivoted and there's no turning back. It will keep on growing the, this no diversification. Turning no turning back. Absolutely not. That's a good thing. We like that. Well, that's I, what I we... I think it is. And I think we're at that watershed moment. And I think it's a very positive thing for the province. And I think we should all feel good about that. And again, if we keep our mind that, that, you know, oil prices and energy prices that are higher than they have been in the commodity cycle is good for the the tax base and the revenue base and all of that. That's good. But 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 the, the, the changes that the leaders 
of, of our current large organizations are seeing, um, they can't avoid it. They, they can't avoid seeing the kinds of things that are happening. And the technology world is, is, is coming right up behind that. And we're super excited to see some of the, some of the things that are coming along. And my job, I find, I feel at SAID is, is to make sure that the biggest gap, which is talent, is, is, is ready for when that continues. You uh, you talked about the innovation in the energy energy industry, and there's no question that innovation is important no matter which industry you're in. And in one of your blog posts, you focus on the role that trust plays when it comes to innovation. I love this. I love it. I talk about this with leaders a lot who I work with. Can you explain how you see the two connecting trust and innovation? There's a there's there's a, a, a incredible language and body of work that, 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 that we discovered and have been working with that came out of the, the movement called the Rainforest. It was written in a book called The Rainforest, which was looked at innovation economies around the world from Singapore to Israel and the Valley and all of that. And they basically boiled it down that says that, that, that when there is an absence of trust, there is friction. And when there's friction, there's the inability to make things happen at a pace that matches where the world's going. So when you're on the edge, when you're innovating, when you have trust, when you have human trust and when you have trust in process and trust in the leaders, you create velocity and velocity is the answer to innovation. You have to move quickly. And when people talk about, you know, we fail fast or try and, you know, make mistakes and stuff, well, that doesn't work when you're moving slowly. If you, if you fail and move slowly, that's a double whammy and that doesn't work. And so trust is an essential lubricant for moving quickly and moving with, with, with some, some, some speed. And so that's, that's who, and, and every leader, every group I talk to, um, I always bring up the concept of the, uh, of a social contract built, built in trust. Um, and in the absence of that it, innovation doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, people need to feel safe to bring up new Correct. ideas and to experiment Correct. and right. Al- allow that flexibility and the safety to be able to, to be innovators. How did the local economy, the local companies uh, accept the inner labs? Uh, it's a new thing in, in Calgary. How's I the corporation? How's the trust? They're great. <laughs> People know where we stand. That's for sure, David. They, they, know, <laughs> they know that when we come into a relationship, it's built on something a little higher than a transactional. I win. You know, I'm, I'm looking for the next big win. And we're there to... And so I think what people are recognizing is that thin air and others, and we're not the only one, but in, in, the, in the core group, is that we, we invest a lot in the ecosystem. We pay it forward. We spend a tremendous amount of work mentoring founders, working with startups. And there's no fee. There's no, it's not a transaction. It's, it's, it's just the way that you have to feed the soil of, of, of innovation. And that's the work, when, going back to your very first question, that's the work that we've been doing as a collective for five to six years and seven years. And, and we really invested in building that trust. And I think thin air is really the embodiment of that kind of new thinking of founders first, think about the team, think about the human beings that are building these companies and, and uh, you know, make, make whatever financial arrangement work for everybody versus, you know, I win, you lose and nine out of 10 fail. And that just, that just is never going to, to move. So that's our philosophy and it's, it seems to be working. So if I'm an entrepreneur and I think I've got a great idea, great yeah. product, whatever it might be, 
and I'm looking for someone to invest in me, how am I going to get your attention? What is going to help me get an investment from you? Uh, great, great question. First, you got to get you got to have you got to get through to my my amazing partner James Lockery, who makes the capital <laughs> decisions. But but as his partner and as, as his colleague, I, I I know how he thinks, and he's a big believer in 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 the human being called the founder. So while you know the ideas are critical. While the um, while the the product market fit and and the opportunity size is critical, you know what James does and and the capital team at Thin Air does is really understand the person behind the the story. So it's less about a slide deck. It's less about a uh, you know the perfect spreadsheet that tells the story. It's tell me your story. Tell me why you're doing what you're doing. Tell me why. This is your life passion and tell me why this is going to change the world. Love it. Jim, uh, thank you so much. Uh, our guest was Jim Gibson, community partner with Thin Air Labs that made us aware that diversification already started and there's no turning back. Thank you, Jim, and have a great day. My pleasure. Thanks for speaking with me. Take care.